Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here to bring us our salvation, life for the rich and the poor. Son of David, righteous and just, he's come to rescue us. He is the way, oh, Jesus.
Good morning. Welcome to East Taylor's for visiting with us, or if you're watching online this morning, if the online's working, Kevin stopped me just a second ago and said, hey, run up and do the welcome because the internet's down. So uh, if you're on your phone during the service, which you shouldn't be, get off your phone so we can use the Wi-Fi for <laughs> up there. Uh, anyways, seriously, if you're visiting with us, uh, when you go outside the lobby today, you'll see a welcome table with a TV. It says welcome. You stop there. There's a little gift bag there for you. And uh, it's just got some information about our church and ways that we can reach out to you. Maybe we can serve you better. Um, and really, that's all there is to that. Um, but I wanted to just bring your attention to a few things. This Wednesday night is our last Wednesday night before school starts. And so uh, what we're asking is for our kindergarten through 12th grade students and our adult Bible study, we're going to kind of mesh all of you guys together. Uh, and we're going to spend some time in prayer uh, over school, over school staff, uh, over students. And then after that, we're going to have a, a good time in the gym of homemade ice cream. So uh, if you can bring a churn of homemade ice cream, uh, you can let myself know or um, Elizabeth know. And make sure when you bring it, you put a towel over the top because apparently that does something to the ice cream. I'm not sure. But if it don't have a towel on top, it ain't going to be cold. All right? That's a joke. You can laugh, okay? Um, my dad always told me I had to put a couple towels on top. Anyways, uh, Sunday morning, uh, this upcoming Sunday, it is Move Up Sunday. So all of our kids uh, from pre-K all the way up to 12th grade, you guys are going to be moving up into new classes. And so for our grade school kids um, up, to, up to fifth grade, we're going to meet you and your parents in the fellowship hall uh, at 9 o'clock. And it's going to be a time for you to meet your new teachers. And the teachers can meet you as parents and get to know one another. There will be light refreshments as well uh, on Move Up Sunday. And then the 6th through 12th grade, you'll just go to your regular spot. And we'll have some light refreshments in there for you guys. And you guys will also move up if you need to move up from middle school um, to high school. And next Sunday is also Baptism Sunday. So uh, this week, if you want to reach out to the church office, if you uh, need to be baptized or want to be baptized, you can call the church office and talk to the staff members. Uh, and we'll talk you through that process. Um, and I think that's all that's coming up between now and next Sunday that we need to draw your attention to. Uh, right now, if you will, stand up, turn to your neighbor, tell them hello, and smile.
Good morning. I have a, a few names that have been asked to mention for prayer. As many of you know, the Tracy King family, Tracy passed away. Um, I believe it was yesterday. So remember he and Peggy and the rest of their family in prayer, if you would. We need to remember Amber Spicer's nephew, Sam Bumgarner, in prayer. He's at Levine's Children's Hospital. Continue to remember Melinda Chapman. She's at Valley and also Danny. Danny's here this morning in the count room. Uh, but continue to remember them in prayer. Remember my good friend Sandra Arms. So she goes for a procedure um, Tuesday. And Sandra and I were talking about this, about I preached a message one time that says just bring your burdens and your cares and your worries to the cross. And we talked about how sometimes that's easy to preach, but when you're going through it, it's hard to do. That's why, that's why the Apostle Paul says this, bear one another's burdens. That's the importance of a church family. See, you, you have a privilege that people that aren't involved in church do not have, even if they're Christians, that you have a church family that can help you bear your burdens. And that's what this time is all about, this prayer time. So I invite you to come to this altar. If you will, lift up these, these names and these people. And if you have a burden, why don't you just come and bring it and just give it to the Lord this morning. As they lead us in this time of praise, let's pray together. as a church body, as best we can through prayer, we, we want to help bear these burdens for the names I mentioned. Lord, we have names in our bulletin. People have requested prayer for these folks, and Lord, we pray that you would help us as a church through prayer to help bear those burdens. Father, some have uh, physical, many have physical burdens. Lord, there, there's, there's other members of our church who have not asked me to mention their names publicly, but Lord, they have great burdens. Lord, they need your touch physically and financially, and Lord, I just pray that you would do that. Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle. That's what we pray for. Father, I'm so thankful that we have a church where we can love each other, encourage each other, lift each other up, support each other, Lord, through prayer. Lord, what a great way to, to bear somebody's burden. And Father, there are others that aren't here at this altar that are back in their chairs, Lord, this morning, and I pray that you would help them in ways that only you can. Father, I pray that they had sensed your presence now and, and you would be as real to them now more than you ever have in their life. And Father, I pray that this could, would be not just a sacred time but a sacred place this morning because if we can look back on this moment and see what you did for us. Father, we're thankful we can call on you. Lord, no other, no other religion has a faith like ours that, that we have a God who hears us when we pray. And Father, we can do that because of the shed blood of Jesus, his death and resurrection. And Father, we thank you for what you have done, are doing, and are going to do in our lives. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me see. 
Uh, just a couple of announcements as our choir is making their way down. Uh, the Larry Daniels uh, Annual Golf Tournament, which is uh, sponsored by our Baptist men, um, is usually in October. We had to change that this year to September 9th. There's a sign-up sheet um, in the lobby area, so if you will, uh, as soon as you can, sign up for that. That's their one fundraiser for the year. Our Baptist men support Finding Hope. They also uh, support... Uh, many people with benevolence issues, if you'd like to sponsor a hole, I believe that's $100. Is that right, Tim? Um, uh, so if you would, please go ahead and sign up for that. It's, it was scheduled for October. Uh, there was a mistake at the golf course, and uh, so we had to change that to September the 9th. Sorry, it's such, such a short notice, but the golf tournament is very important uh, for, for the work that we do here. And I want to thank our Baptist men for all that they do. They do all the barbecues and, and things like that and other things. Uh, for us, so if, if you'd like to participate in that and you'd like to finish second, go ahead and get your team in it. All right, I'm just calling you out right now, okay? Also, um, next Sunday, we'll be in the sanctuary. We're going to have a baptism. We have one person baptized right now. Uh, if you are a candidate for baptism and you'd like to talk to me about that this week, please contact the church office. We will not be back in the sanctuary till probably into September 1st to October, so uh, we do all our baptisms over there. We're also that morning... Uh, have uh, deacon, uh, the new deacons for the year you're going to vote on. We're going to vote on the uh, budget uh, for the upcoming year, and we're going to vote on the nominate committee report. Okay, and then I'm going to preach a 45 minute message, and we'll be out by 11:30. I'm just kidding, but anyway, all that'll be over there. So, um, looking forward to that. Today, we're going to be talking about the first communion that God instituted when the Lord first saved me. Okay, I understood Passover a little bit. I didn't know much about it. But I didn't really understand why, why we, have, we had a Passover in the Old Testament and have communion in the New Testament. It just didn't make sense to me. I remember reading Paul's uh, uh, example to the church at Corinth, and it sounded to me like they're eating a meal. And I was like, well, this just doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, today in this section of Scripture, you see where Jesus celebrates. Now, Jesus celebrates the last Passover ever. Okay, now, Jews still celebrate Passover. That's fine if they want to do that. Even Sometimes even born-again Jews still celebrate Passover because of what God did for the children of Israel uh, when they were in the land of Egypt, right? But they also celebrate the Lord's Supper. The name Lord's Supper comes from this text, okay? Communion, Lord's Supper, either way. And at the end of my message, we're going to have a really short time of prayer because Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, he said this, Do not take this in an unworthy manner. It's okay to say no. It is. He says, if you do, this is what Paul said, you can eat judgment on yourself. In an unworthy manner, could just mean like you're just apathetic. We're all sinners, right? <laughs> I mean, we just are. 
So, so that's up to you. The men are going to come and they're going to pass it around. If you don't want it, that's fine. Don't take it, all right? Because this is so important. The, the wafer we have represents Jesus' body and the juice that we have represents his blood. So important. So where did the first communion come from? If you'll stand with me and turn to Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at verses 14 through 20. Now, Jesus had already sent Peter and John in the verse before, and this is what Jesus says. He says, go and prepare the Passover. They understood. They were, every year, Jesus celebrated the Passover, right? Thank God for what he did for us in the past. God said, don't forget that. That's why he started. That's why Jesus tells us, don't forget what I did for you. Do not forget. You do this as often as you do it. Remember me. Okay? He, said, he says, you guys go, and um, Peter and John, you go, and you'll find this guy just walking. Some unknown guy. Then he says he's going to take you to a room and tell him the teacher sent you. Okay? What does that tell us? It tells us that Jesus is sovereign over the smallest details of your life. That's why Paul said to the church at Corinth, whatever you eat or drink, just give God the glory for it. Because you don't know what all it took to get it here to your, your plate. Jesus is sovereign over the smallest details of your life. That should give you great comfort. Okay? Because God knows all about your situation. He's still sovereign over the great details. Verse 14 says, When the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve apostles with him. Then he said with them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. It had four cups. We're not going to talk about that today. He says, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread and gave thanks and, and broke it and said to them, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they, they didn't understand what he was talking about. They said, Your body? And then it says this and he, in verse 20, Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, help us to remember this is, a, this, is a, this is a sacred time for us. It's a time that we have set aside, not just this day to worship, but this hour to worship you through the Lord's Supper, through communion. And Father, I pray that we'd show great respect and reverence for this today. And Father, um, I, I pray that we'd never forget the great sacrifice that you made for us. Our great sin-bearing the great sin-bearing Lamb of God who is, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who is our Savior. Lord, we give you honor and great praise today, and we love you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So Jesus, John MacArthur put it this way. He said, he said this is the first communion. He said, now this is the way he put it. This is epic. This is massive. This is monumental. This is a turning point in all redemptive history. Very important. You know, if you just read it, you're like, really? Yes, it is. Everything changes after this night. Everything changes. Even this celebration. He says, to put it another way, this evening, Jesus brings to an end the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, and he inaugurates the New Covenant in the New Testament. He says he goes from Passover, the last legitimate Passover, to the Lord's table, the first new memorial feast. It ends millennia of, of a celebration looking back to God's delivering power in Egypt, and inaugurates a new memorial, looking back to the cross and the deliverance far greater accomplished here. Notice first, if you will with me, the Passover. 
Notice the verse on the screen. Luke says, when the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve apostles and he said to them with fervent desire, of desire to eat this Passover. Passover. Pas the Passover came because Israel had been in bondage for over 400 years. They'd been oppressed. They'd been enslaved. Then they finally cried out to God to be delivered and they understood it would take a miracle. And then God met with Moses in the Midianite uh, wilderness at the burning bush. And this is what God said. He said, go to Pharaoh and tell him this. And go to the Israelites and tell them this. Now think about that for a minute. They both had to obey God's word. You have Moses, one man, come and tell the Israelites, we're going to leave. Okay, are they going to obey that? Then he goes to Pharaoh and says, God said, just let them go. Are they going to obey it? So the, the importance of obeying God's word. So what happened was God em empowered Moses with the ability to perform miracles. And then one after one, God through Moses attacked Egypt's gods. Egypt worshipped the sun, the river, they worshipped the land, they worshipped everything, and one by one, listen, one by one, God brought great plagues on them. But Pharaoh was hardened in his heart. This is what Pharaoh would say. He'd say, okay, leave, take your people and go. Then he'd change his mind. You know what I say Pharaoh is? A Southern Baptist. Lord, I'll go with you anywhere. Lord, I'm going to stop this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. And then as soon as Monday comes, nope, not going to do it. Are we not like Pharaoh sometimes? Now listen to me. Listen to me. Pharaoh would see the miracles of God. He'd see it destroy his land and his people, the, the, the river Nile. Think about that. And then the next day or the next week, he'd go, no, 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 I changed my mind. We're so much like Pharaoh. We're so much like Pharaoh sometimes. And then, then Moses came to Pharaoh and he says, there's one last plague God's going to send. He's going to kill every firstborn in Egypt and their animals, firstborn animals, if you don't apply the blood of a lamb over your doorpost. Even giving Pharaoh a chance. Pharaoh said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Moses told the Israelites, this is your option. This is your choice. This is your choice to get out of Egypt. Kill a lamb, take its blood, put it over the doorpost, or you die. It's your choice. It's kind of like when I give an invitation every Sunday. This is your choice. You're an adult. Make adult decisions. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to give 35 minutes of an invitation. You're an adult, right? You shouldn't have to. Make a decision for Jesus today. We don't have to get you all worked up. You either, you either believe in Jesus or you don't. You know what Moses said? This is what Moses said. Kill a lamb, put its blood on the doorpost, or your kid dies. And that night, guess what they did? Killed a lamb, put the blood over the doorpost, and all the firstborn that had the blood lived. Lived. Which tells us this. I like how John MacArthur put it. He said, to be delivered from judgment requires death. Someone has to die. In the Old Testament, it was an animal. He also says this. To be delivered from judgment, there has to be a substitute. And that substitute in Egypt that they celebrated was a lamb. The message of the Passover is God delivers through the death of an innocent Substitute, what did the lamb do? Nothing. And see, everybody understood that that blood was not mine. It's not mine. It's not my blood. That's somebody else's blood. See, when you, when you take this cup and you drink that juice, he didn't do nothing. You did it. So everybody that lived in that house killed that lamb as perfect as it could be and they saw that blood and said, that lamb did nothing. This is because of me. 
See, that's where salvation comes in. I'm guilty, remember? Yeah, this house is guilty. Therefore, we had to kill an innocent uh, thing and put their blood over the doorpost. See, to escape divine judgment requires the death of someone, and that someone has to be substituted for you because you're not good enough. That's the Passover. And what God told the children of Israel is this, you continually do this and never forget. Never forget what, what I've done for you. Never forget. Notice verse 15, the Bible says this. Jesus says, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover. Fervent desire. That means, that means Jesus, this one scholar says, this is very strong language. You can't get this in the English. It would read like this. With desire, I have desired. That's the passion of Jesus. We see this when he went to the garden. Gethsemane. He started praying with sweats of great drops of blood. He says, I shall never eat of it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And what that means is this. Will there ever be another Passover? Yes. He says this. He says, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now go to the next verse. He says, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom, which means this, we're going to eat again. You're going to have another Passover meal, okay, or a Lord's Supper. And in the kingdom, God says, he says, I'm not going to drink of this cup again until we're together in heaven. You know, what I think the marriage supper of the Lamb is that. I think you're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper with Jesus. Isn't that not amazing? I've heard preachers say, I hope they have seven layer chocolate cake. And I'm like, are you an idiot? That's not what he's talking about. Oh, they got chicken and dumplings. Are you kidding me? The marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be a celebration of the fact that Jesus died in your place and for eternity you're going to worship him. Jesus said, I'm not going to do this again until, until we get to heaven. Then we're going to do it together. Together, the marriage supper of the Lamb, which means he's coming back. Now, notice the first communion. Notice verse 18. The Bible says this. This is important. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom of God comes. And what he's saying of that is this. This celebration ends. Now, let, let me tell you how, you how important that is. This is the end of the whole ceremonial law all the dietary laws and all the Sabbath laws. That's the end of it right there. Every bit of that ends. Okay? People often ask me, why do we not do the things that they talk about in Leviticus? It doesn't apply to you. Are you a Jew living in the Old Testament? All that ended. Right there it ended. Okay? Why do I not have to wear certain things or, or, or walk around in sackcloth and throw ash on my head? Because that ended. Why, why, why can I eat bacon? Because of that verse right there. Thank God. Amen? You can. All right. Why, why, why does all this, you know, when I see people debate on TV over certain things, they'll, say, they'll bring up all these Old Testament things. And I'm like, that does not apply to you at all. The Sabbath day does not apply to you. That was a Saturday. They started worshiping on the Lord's day. It ended right there. He says this. He says, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of it. He said, this is done. This is done today. The, the Passover is done. I'm instituting something else. The Old Testament is, and that, that sense is done. The only thing that still stands in that sense from the Old Testament is the moral law, right? The moral law stands. Jesus and his disciples taught the perpetuity of the moral law. That never stops. It's the only way you know you're a sinner. But the, the, the ceremonial laws, the dietary laws, all those things, none of that applies to you. None of it. Absolutely none of it because of this right here. Jesus says, I fulfill all of that. That's the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. Important verse. verse. Look at verse 19. He goes on to say this. He says, This is my body 
which is, look, given for you. Jesus says, you're not taking some lamb from the farm. It's been predetermined before eternity, before you were even born, that I was going to die in your place. This is my, he says, when you, take the, when you take this wafer, this little wafer that we got in the mail, I think, that represents that I, before, before God created the world, that I was going to die for you because you're a sinner. This is my body. Last week we looked at where the Bible says that Jesus Christ bore in his body your sins. This is, this is my body, Jesus says. Now this is not talking about it's his actual body. The new covenant is the, covenant, the only covenant that saves. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. Offer me, he says. An animal can never cleanse you of sin. It can only propitiate God's wrath for a year. Jesus says, I'll give you my body. You are not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings of sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written to me in scriptures. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. He ended it right there. They're not sacrificing lambs in Israel now. They're just not doing it. Jesus ended it. Paul put it this way about talking about Jesus' body. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. John put it this way, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God told the Israelites this. He said this, every year you're going to kill an animal to propitiate my wrath, to satisfy my wrath because you're a sinner. Every year it happened. And that rat, it had to be done every year, over and over and over again. But when Jesus came and died, he propitiated that wrath for eternity. That's why your sins, past, present, and future, are eternally forgiven. So when I take that wafer, and I know me, I'm so thankful. It may not mean much to you. It means a whole lot to me. Because Jesus Christ gave his body. I mean, you, you, you can look at the crucifixion, and it's awful, it's horrible. But there was something way worse that day. My sin was there. And it was on Jesus. And Jesus bore the wrath of God. He bore my sins and took the wrath of God for me. That's what that, that's what that wafer means. And then you have the second thing. Look at verse 20. Jesus says this. He says, Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This, is, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. The writer of Hebrews said this, But with his own blood. He entered the most holy place for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And what that means this is this, my friends, salvation is not free. It's not free. The most expensive substance ever spilt was the blood of Jesus. David Jeremiah said this, forgiveness is a costly, costly thing. 
often think to myself how lightly I take the forgiveness of God. It's the costliest thing in the universe. Without bloodshed, there's no forgiveness of sins. If you are forgiven, it is because somebody died. Forgiveness demands blood. The Bible over and over again says this blood was shed, which means this, he was slain. An Old Testament animal had to be slain. Jesus was slain. That's why in the book of Revelations, it says this, or Revelation, right now in heaven, chapter 5, they're singing this, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be kingdom and priests to serve our God. They will reign on the earth forever. They're thanking God for his blood, which was shed. In verse 19, Jesus said this, As often as you do this, remember me. Why would he say that? You know, I think God understands humanity's need for sacred places and times. We see that in the Old Testament. The Bible talks about sacred places and times. Moses, when he was at the burning bush, God said this, take your shoes off. This place, this place right here, is holy. So take your shoes off. When Noah, after the flood happened, and the, the ark landed on Mount Ararat, the first thing he did was, was build an altar, and he said, this place, this place right here, is holy. When Jacob had the night vision of the angels descending up and down the ladder, he took that pillow and he said, this place is called Bethel. This place is holy. We see that on a secular level too, don't we? Drive down any road in America. You'll see crosses. You'll see flowers. Sometimes they'll have pictures. Because of that family, you know what they're saying? This place for me, this is a sacred place. I remember hearing about a man in, I think it was New York or Chicago, true story. Son got ran over, crossing the road. EMS came and do whatever they do, put him in the, and take him wherever. And, and there was just this big, I hate to be grotesque, but just splatter. And guess what New, New York or Chicago traffic did? They just kept going. And so that dad started screaming, saying, that's my son's blood. That's my son's blood. And he stopped traffic, and he took off his coat, and he laid it over the spot. And he said, that's my son's blood. God would say, that's my son's blood. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. And see, we have sacred time as well, don't we? We have birthdays, anniversaries. We have Sunday for us. We have Christmas, we have Easter, and we have this time. And friends, this is a sacred time. When you take that cup and when you take that wafer, remember him. That's why Paul said this, and this is between you and the Lord. Before you do this, examine yourself and don't take it in an unworthy manner. God loves you more than you know, okay? I'm going to show great respect here. I'm going to ask you just for a moment to bow your heads and close your eyes. And let's have a time of self-reflection. This is between you and the Lord. And then we'll go into this time of, of communion together. You just pray silently to yourself. Father, as we come to you at this time, we give you thanks for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed for us. Father, I'm reminded this is an act of worship. And I pray that you be honored and glorified through what is done here today.
And we want to tell you that we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, as Kevin comes over here to help me, I just want to make mention that we do have a container. On one side is the um, wafer, and on the other side is the uh, juice. And what we're going to do is take off the top for the wafer first. I'm going to read some scripture. Uh, Justin's going to have a word of prayer. We'll take it out and we'll eat it, okay? And then we'll do the same for um, the juice, just so you'll know that. Thank you. the bread. 
I'm going to ask you, if you will, to go ahead and take off the top piece there and go ahead and take out this little wafer, which represents the body of Jesus. And as you do, the Bible says this, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And they gave thanks. And I'm going to ask Justin to pray and thank God for his body that was broken for us. Thank you, Justin. Lord, we come to you this morning um, from a place of thankfulness, God. Um, being reminded this morning that your body um, was given for us, not taken. And uh, Lord, you give it freely on our behalf, God. You went freely to a tree stump and was laid across it and beat on our behalf. And you freely walked up the hill to Calvary and freely was crucified. And um, Lord, just thank you for doing that on our behalf, God. Um, laying it all down so that we could pick everything up, Lord. We could have salvation. We could have restoration with the Father through your sacrifice and through your broken body. And thank you for giving it for us. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And the Bible says they ate together. Next, if you'll turn it over and carefully pull this off and take your time with it. The Bible says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my body, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And they gave thanks. I'm going to ask Kevin, if you will, to pray and thank God for his blood, which was shed. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are reminded of your great love. For God, you so loved the world. Lord, you so loved us that you sent your one and only Son. And Jesus, we thank you for your perfect life. Lord, what you endured, your crucifixion, burial, and resurrection that gives us hope. It is the only hope we have for the forgiveness of our sins. And we thank you for doing what we could never do. And our trust is in you because you are our only hope. Thank you for your blood that was shed. And we remember that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They drank together. At the end of that last Passover meal when Jesus institutes uh, the Lord's Supper, the Bible says as they left that upper room, they sang together. So I'm going to ask you to stand with us. And Sharon's going to lead us in the first and last verse of Amazing Grace. And any time during this, you can leave if you'd like to. Thank you so much for being here today.
God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today, and I hope to see you back here next Sunday. Thank you. You're dismissed.